So this is a talk given uh, to a group on a uh, three-day retreat. So we live in a society that has faith in the triple gem of the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. We can speak to two bodies of the Buddha, the body of flesh and bones of the Buddha and the body that is the Dhamma. The body of the Buddha that was made of flesh uh, taught the suttas over 2,500 years ago uh, during the time of the Buddha, and that body lived to 80 years old. But the Dhamma body of the Buddha is the Dhamma itself. So Siddhartha Gautama, the Bodhisattva, had cultivated a great parami already, contemplated dependent origination, contemplated this as Dhamma. And for ourselves to contemplate dependent origination, something that's difficult for us to do, one needs the uh, power of samadhi, the power of the collected and unified mind. In dependent origination, we contemplate that ignorance is the cause of, uh, the cause of what? What's the cause of uh, conditioned formations, uh, materiality and mentality and so on, all these various uh, processes that we then cling to as self, as me and mine. So we see that it all is due to ignorance. And the mind proliferates, and this proliferation happens into sankara's uh, formations, to materiality and mentality arising. Then we cling to it as self, and contact arises, or the six senses happen, contact happens, uh, vedana, a feeling tone arises, and craving arises, attachment arises, and all of this leads to suffering. And this process happens uh, very quickly. For instance, the eye sees a form, then ignorance, craving, and attachment uh, arise with it and cease, arise and cease, arise and cease. This happens very quickly. So we must have care to watch over our minds, not to get lost in this process, not to get lost in liking and disliking, not to get lost in uh, contact and feeling tone and craving and so on. We see that based on feeling tone, uh, craving and attachment arise. And whatever it is that we attach to, that is a cause for suffering. No matter what it is, if we attach to it, suffering will be the result. So we contemplate this. In the beginning we have uh, we have faith and we take the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha as our refuge. We chant the refuge chant and we take the triple gem as our refuge. We undertake the five precepts or the eight precepts according to our energy and ability and we practice the Dhamma. And we've come here to practice uh, for two nights and three days to undertake the eight precepts and to truly take the triple gem as the refuge in our hearts. And we can contemplate a teaching 
of Ajahn Buddhadasa, like a koan, that a Buddha statue obscures the true Buddha. We see that the Buddha statue uh, represents the Buddha. We use it as an object of recollection to inspire faith for us to practice, uh, to realize awakening, to realize Buddhahood for ourselves. We recollect the great goodness of the Buddha, the great wisdom, great compassion, great purity of the Buddha. And in different countries, they make different styles of Buddha statues. So we can see that the outer form is different, but we recollect the inner qualities all the same. We practice to follow the teachings of the Buddha, to make our hearts uh, firm in the Triple Gem, firm in virtue. And then we train our hearts to know clearly, uh, to know clearly bit by bit, to see uh, the nature of reality, the nature of condition formations. And when we see clearly, uh, temporarily, we call this a tatanga vimuti, a temporary liberation, temporary freedom. And this, at this point, the heart is uh, Buddha, the heart is awakened in this moment. So one's meditating or one's sitting and one sees form and name, materiality and mentality as not self, not a me or a mine, a you or a yours. One sees this clearly that mind and body are not self, that it's just the four elements of earth, air, fire and water gathered together temporarily, then they disband. There's no self there to be found. And if the mind is collected sufficiently, the mind gathers together, and this wisdom arises, knowledge arises. This is seeing the Dhamma, seeing the truth of materiality and mentality, that they're all impermanent, suffering and not self. This is seeing the Dhamma, uh, seeing the Buddha, and when one sees the Dhamma and sees the Buddha in one's heart like this, then one's heart becomes Sangha. So one sees that the Buddha Dhamma Sangha, they're all one thing. They're not different. To see the truth in the heart is to see the Buddha. So we practice to be able to find the Buddha, to reach the Buddha in our own hearts. We make effort to cut off all unskillfulness of body, speech, and mind. For instance, we can go to India, go to the uh, sacred pilgrimage sites, like the place where the Buddha was born, the place where he was awakened, the place where he first taught, and the place where he passed into Parinibbana. And this is a merit, a form of skillfulness. And when we return to our home, some individuals, their faith uh, brings them closer to the Buddha. And for instance, they might stop drinking alcohol, whereas before they drank regularly, they might stop drinking alcohol altogether. Their faith becomes firmer. One follows the Buddha's teachings. Whereas other individuals, perhaps they uh, have already been practicing the Buddhist teachings, but upon returning from the pilgrimage, 
they drink alcohol even more than before. So we call this seeing the outer Buddha, but not seeing the inner Buddha. So we must make effort to cut off unskillfulness, to cultivate that which is skillful, uh, to purify the mind. So during this two-night and three-day period, we keep a watch over our hearts and realize that this is a very good chance to practice and train our hearts, to train our hearts to be collected in samadhi, whether a little or a lot, and that this will be a foundation for our Dharma practice going forward. So we practice in this way and practice continuously. And then when we go home at the end of the retreat, we go to work, go to our homes, and we make effort to be mindful uh, continuously, to cut off greed, aversion, and delusion. And we may not be able to cut off greed, aversion, and delusion all in one go, but we uh, can reduce them. We can know anger as it arises, to know it in time, and then we don't get caught by it. In this way, the defilements, the kilesas reduce, and they arise less often. This is a result of uh, mindfulness being well-established. And this is an example of one of the fruits of Dhamma practice, is that the mind becomes cooler, doesn't follow after moods and sense impressions as much as before. Because before training the mind, the mind would just follow after all these moods and sense impressions, wouldn't be collected or peaceful, would be unrestrained in actions of body, speech, and mind. And this leads to nothing but agitation and chaos for the heart, <clears throat> whether in society or in one's family, uh, it would just lead to agitation and trouble. So we practice Dhamma, and when we have Dhamma in our heart, we see cause and effect. Our hearts become better uh, according to the level of our practice. So this is having the Buddha Dhamma Sangha in our hearts. So we keep practicing Dhamma to make our mindfulness firm and well-established. Because we have these uh, six senses along with their respective objects. We have the eye and forms, the nose and smells, the ear and sounds, the tongue and taste, the body with touch, and the mind with mental objects. And this is right where Achilles arise, right here with the six senses, the six inner and outer senses. So there's uh, materiality and mentality, name and form, which is then the cause for the six senses to arise. And based on these six senses, contact with sense objects occurs. And based on this contact, feeling tone arises, whether pleasurable, uh, painful, or neutral. And based on this feeling tone, craving arises. If it's a pleasant feeling, then we want more of that. If it's a painful feeling, then we don't like it, we want it to go away. We have vibhava tanha, craving uh, not to be arising. And this craving and attachment arises very quickly. And based on this upadana, this attachment, 
Then we have becoming, we have birth, we have the sense of self. So we train our minds to have mindfulness, to know this process in time, to know it as it happens, to know that Vedana feeling tone arises and then craving and attachment arise subsequently. So we use the path, the noble path, to teach our minds not to cling uh, to that, to see that anything we cling to here will simply be a cause for suffering, that all clinging leads to suffering. We can use the example or contemplate the example of caring for a pet dog. We have a feeling of closeness and warmth and care for that dog. And we may feel this way to a great degree. There's attachment, there's craving there arising in the heart. There's a sense of self arising, there's a becoming arising as well. So whatever, whether it's a living being, a human or animal, or an inanimate object, whatever it is that we're attached to in this way, when we become separated from that, then the heart is in suffering. There's a sadness and sorrow, a suffering experienced in the mind. So we see that this upadana, this attachment, is the cause for becoming, for birth, and it all starts with contact. So we should take a close look at our minds and see what is the mind taking as its refuge? What is the mind relying on as its refuge? And if it's anything in the world, then it's not a secure refuge. It's not a stable refuge. The refuge that we need is the Dhamma, <coughs> is the triple gem of the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha. So we train our minds to have virtue, to be uh, mindful, to have meditation, wisdom, uh, samadhi, this collectedness, to have these qualities as part of our refuge in our hearts. So we have this virtue, mindfulness, wisdom, samadhi, and meditation. This is all a way of paying homage to the Buddha as a way to enter into the true Buddha, the true awakened one not the outer Buddha, not the outer form. We may, we bow to the Buddha statue, but really we're not bowing to the statue itself. We're bowing to the Buddha in our hearts. And when we see clearly the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha arises right here in our own hearts, and then wherever we go, we see the Buddha. The Buddha is with us wherever we go because we see the Dhamma, Buddha's teaching us everywhere we go. And when we see the Dhamma in this way, when we see the Buddha, then there are no doubts left. We see that there is a hell, there is heaven, there is Nibbana. We don't doubt about this anymore. We don't doubt that awakening is possible. We don't doubt about uh, past lives or future lives. We see that uh, because we've seen clearly in our own hearts. <clears throat> we've seen clearly already. So in the beginning we, have, we may have faith in these things, have belief, but we don't yet have wisdom. We may bow to a Buddha statue as a child, and we think that the statue is actually the Buddha. 
But later we learn that the Buddha was someone who lived uh, in ancient India a long time ago, awakened in India and taught in India. But then later on, we see that the Buddha is actually still here. The Buddha didn't go anywhere. The Buddha didn't uh, disappear. But the Buddha is in the Dhamma. So this is seeing more deeply. So in Thailand, it's possible to see the Buddha if one sees the Dhamma. One realizes the Buddha uh, right here, wherever one is. This is a teaching of Lumpu Cha. Lumpu Cha asked, Oh, the Buddha can't awaken in Thailand, is that right? The Buddha can't, uh, can't realize awakening in Thailand, is that right? And then when I heard this teaching, I thought, well, hey, the Buddha awakened in India. He didn't awaken in Thailand. So why would Nungku Cha say that he would awaken in Thailand? But I kept contemplating this teaching of Nungku Cha. And as I kept contemplating it, Later on, I understood. I understood that seeing the Dhamma is seeing the Buddha. And the Buddha Dhamma Sangha gathers together as one uh, thing, right, in the heart. So in the beginning, we train in mindfulness. And to whatever degree we are mindful, we are closer to the Buddha to that degree. And the more mindful and present our mind is, um, the less the kilesas become. For instance, if one is uh, gets angered easily, then that anger can reduce. One knows it more quickly with mindfulness, and the heat in the heart reduces, and loving-kindness in the heart increases. So whether it's anger or greed, for instance, seeing uh, new things that we like, things that are new, but then later these things become old, they degrade and pass away. So we contemplate that all of these things are merely conventions. All these things arise from the four elements gathering together. And these are worldly elements. These elements belong to the world. So we see it's just a convention. These things have value according to convention, but in truth, there's really nothing there. They're just natural elements uh, temporarily gathered together. They don't last at all. It's their nature to degrade. Uh, that's the way of the world. And when death comes, we can't take any of these things with us. So when we contemplate in this way, anger reduces uh, gradually. We contemplate not to get lost in the things of the world, not to get lost in anything. So we practice to have wisdom, to understand according to truth that all things are impermanent, suffering and not self. When we see this clearly, greed, aversion and delusion reduce. So we contemplate in the correct way to build up the qualities of sila, samadhi, and panya to make these qualities strong. And when we make sila, samadhi, and panya strong, this is the path becoming strong. And this gives us a lot of strength and energy. And when we practice in this way, we let go of self uh, bit by bit. 
It reduces gradually. We do merit and we feel fullness, uh, happiness, and joy in our hearts. And this merit and is goodness. And goodness we call merit. And when we get merit, we feel happy. We practice in this way and we don't wish to harm anyone. We see that all beings are born according to karma and they pass away according to karma. We don't wish harm upon any being. Whatever day that we are alive, then we set our hearts on uh, doing goodness, doing merit. We do our duties appropriately. And this is, these are important qualities to have in order to realize uh, sotapanna. And the sotapanna means uh, one who's entered the stream of the Dhamma. And when we have faith in the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha like this, it is not beyond our capability to realize stream entry. We're established in the five precepts, in generosity, and have these qualities uh, well established in our hearts. And when we practice in this way, then we're close to Nibbana, we're close to seeing the Dhamma. When our mind has samadhi, we use that to contemplate the body. To contemplate the body is not self. To contemplate to the point where we don't doubt this anymore. And this means that we're close to Nibbana. It's not far at all. It's actually close by. Whether one feels lazy or diligent, one makes effort all the same. One practices without ceasing, without stopping one's effort practicing generosity, virtue, and meditation. So we've gathered together to practice meditation for this three-day and two-night period. So may you contemplate ongoingly, even after the retreat. And then perhaps uh, one keeps practicing, and three years from now or five years from now, uh, bit by bit, the practice improves, and then one day one sees the Dhamma, and one realizes uh, Sangha in one's own heart. So may you all be intent in this practice. May you all grow in Dhamma. <laughs>